You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey listeners, welcome to another season of Cozy Moon Podcast. We have made it to season eight. This season, I want to shine the light on mama's health, aka women's health, and some of these illnesses that I will be discussing with special guests can also affect men, but I really want to focus on what illnesses uh, women go through and deal with and have to make sure their bodies are in check, have to make sure their diet is in check, especially if they want to carry children or carrying children. And, you know, the knowledge of knowing your family history, how important it is for your health and your life. And that's what I wanted to focus on in this season. I hope you guys enjoy all of the guests. We're going worldwide with these guests. I'm talking to women across the water, across the pond, as they call it. I'm talking to women from different walks of life. And I just want you guys to get the information, learn from the information, and take that with you and spread it to someone who, you know, needed more insight on what they're going through or what their symptoms are. I hope you guys enjoy Cozy Womb Podcast. Don't forget to hashtag Cozy Womb Podcast. You can find me on Twitter, IG, and Facebook. Hey, hey. It's Anya Dula, and I am the host of Intercultured with Anya Dula. Intercultured with Anya Dula is a podcast that focuses on motherhood, culture, birth work, and travel. And it's just a place for women to come together to discuss our philosophies on motherhood, to discuss our work and birth work, if that's what we do, but mainly to bring women of all different cultures together so that we can talk about 
how we mother, how we hashtag do motherhood so that we can learn from one another and learn to love each other. That's really what it's all about. I hope you'll join us. Intercultured with Anya Dula podcast is available on all the major podcast stations. I hope you'll join us. Can't wait to connect. My first guest that I have for Cozy Woman Podcast Season 8 is focusing on breast cancer awareness. Her name is Natasha Anderson. And I reached out to her through Instagram. And I just thought her page was very, like, loud and outspoken about different women dealing with breast cancer and the raw details of what that's like. So I really wanted to question question her on, you know, her own experience and her family's experience dealing with it and what helped her get through that process and what to be aware of for other women and how we can be, you know, more in touch with our bodies to understand what to look for and what we can prevent and what we can help for ourselves and other women. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I want to make sure, you know, women can get all the knowledge they can, even if they don't have it, so they can understand the next woman that does have it and might possibly have uh, issues having children or have a child Mm -hmm. and have, on top of that, another issue with themselves while raising that child. So um, that's why I wanted to do um, this series where I'm just focusing on women's illnesses. Yeah, no, excellent. So you came across me then on Instagram. So that's a good Mm -hmm. thing, because I started that page in October. And I remember I was having a shower one day after I finished radiotherapy. And I thought, I'm just going to start a page and see if there's any UK black ladies out there, because I kept coming across ladies from America, which was lovely. And then I find them very more, much more open to -hmm. talk about breast cancer. But the UK ladies of color I'm like well where are you I I can't find you um so it's been good actually because from that you know I'm networking with lots of different people one of which is yourself I'm trying to start some community bits up as well so yeah it's just trying to turn a a negative into a positive really so it's all been good it's all yeah I like that and and I'm like you I get my best ideas in the shower or when I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like yeah. I can't write it down so I've got to retain it now for like you know another five minutes <laughs> yes I get my best ideas in the shower um so uh we're gonna start I have like a few questions um yes. that I want to ask you but even between those questions you can elaborate you can um you know explain yourself or go into detail about something I'm not saying because I I'm the Uh one that's I'm the one that's lacking the most knowledge on uh, breast cancer so I I want to know more just like I want the listeners to know more yeah so um this is a season eight of cozy moon podcast this is episode one and we're focusing on breast cancer awareness and we have Natasha and um you are from where I'm from the UK, London, Northwest London. Thank you for having me, Chan. Of course. And my first initial um, question that I'm going to ask everyone is, what got you into spreading awareness on breast cancer? 
Right. Um, it was quite, for me, it was quite a simple one, really. I was a third lady in my family diagnosed with breast cancer in three consecutive years. So I was diagnosed the end of November 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and then my mother, the beginning of November and her sister the year before. Wow. So when we, when I first found out about my aunt having breast cancer, it was a shock because she's not somebody who smokes, she doesn't drink, she's a picture of health, you know, textbook, exercise, the whole, you know, the whole nine yards. So it was a bit of a shock. So when she got diagnosed and then my mum and then myself, only at 45, I remember going to see um, the general practitioner and he was like, oh, Natasha, it's not breast cancer. You know, you're only 45 years old, but we'll send you to the um, clinic. Mm -hmm. So going through the whole process, the diagnosis, the treatment, um, I thought, no, I just want to raise awareness, especially for ladies of colour, um, because growing up, I, and even now, cancer is still a taboo subject in, mm -hmm. you know, what we would call as a BAME community. We don't share enough. We don't talk enough. Um, and for me, with cancer, early detection is key. So as long as it's diagnosed early enough, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die. So even if I can just help one lady think oh that doesn't feel right let me go and get it checked 99 point times it could be nothing mm -hmm. but I just think you know raising the awareness and talking about it sharing our experiences um, because it's very different for women of color even simple things like hair growth it's very different to if I'm speaking to somebody who's Caucasian or Asian um, so for me it was a no-brainer really Sorry, I know that was a long answer. No, I, that's <laughs> the answer I wanted. But with, yeah. while, while you were talking, I didn't want to stop you. But what I hate about um, doctors on the conversation with the patient is, oh, mm -hmm. you're this age, you have nothing to worry about. Whereas I always hear women in their 20s finding out they have breast cancer. Women in their 30s finding out they have breast cancer. And I remember like about four years ago when I, um, my job, I was working for State Farm, an insurance company here, and they would have like certain um, health days at the job. And yeah. so they had a, um, a truck come to the, to the site and they were doing mammogram. And yeah. so because I had Blue Cross Blue Shield, I was like, well, I want to set up to do a mammogram. And because I did the form and application to have a mammogram, um, you know, exam, they said, oh, what's your age? And I said, I think I was like um, 20, 29 at the time. They were like, oh, right. you're too young. We don't do that. But I'm just like, it shouldn't matter how, mm -hmm. what your age is. Once you have breast or developing breast and then your, you know, history with your family. My my grandmother died of breast cancer. She had a wow. breast she had a breast removed and she still passed away from breast cancer. My uh, grandfather had prostate cancer, but that's not what he died of. So if I mm -hmm. have it on both sides, and I have women in my families that always purposely go check multiple times because of that. Yes. Why are you stopping me from being checked because of my age? Absolutely. And, you know, they say ladies under the age of 30, 
you know, you don't need to worry about breast cancer. But I have come across so many women, you know, you go back and forth to the clinic and there are ladies of all ages, ladies who, who, who could be my grandmother, my mother, my sister, my daughter. Um, and it's right across nationalities and cultures. And, you know, as much as doctors, they are the experts. But I always say to ladies, we are the experts in our own body. Mm-hmm. Our breasts are developing all the time. Cancer is just where when the cells are dividing, it goes wrong. So it, it, that has the ability to happen in anybody. Um, and going through my journey and experience, I've met so many women, young women, 26, 25, 18, who have cancer, you know, cancer of the uterus, breast cancer. So I always say to ladies, if something isn't right, men as well, just go and get it checked because you know your body better than anybody else. And doctors are great at diagnosing, but they're also great at bobbing us off. You know, it's all in your head and just take this pill and take that pill. But you know yourself best. And if you don't come out feeling a sense of, I'm actually happy with what they said, or I'm comfortable, go back, get a second opinion, um, and just keep going. Because sometimes it does take a few visits to actually for them to dig, do this test, um, and to get a diagnosis. So don't give up would be my advice to anybody, really. Yeah, and um, even when you were speaking on um, women in the UK not being, being so upfront about what they're going through being in a uh caribbean family because most of my family is jamaican they don't Mm -hmm. talk they don't talk (laughs) even even when my grandmother had breast cancer it was very like Mm -hmm. she has breast cancer i'm just like i want to know what that is And, and it was very like secretive for a long time i didn't know that she only had one breast you know, right. and maybe it was because I was a kid or maybe it was just because it was like keeping secrets is like mostly a Caribbean culture thing. Mm-hmm. Where it shouldn't be widespread. So um, it's just a lot that needs to change when it comes to that. Absolutely. I remember growing up as a child, you know, you would hear so-and-so has died or so-and-so's died in Jamaica. Um but you never heard what they died of. And now I look back, it was cancer. Mm-hmm. Nobody spoke about it. It was almost as if, like you say, keep it hush-hush, um, don't tell so-and-so. So nobody knows about it. And I think to educate us, especially as, you know, a uh, a cultured community we need to talk about it we need to share our experiences it, it there's nothing to be ashamed of or afraid of right. um but yeah it, it's very much true and it's very much it's still like that in the uk and that was another reason why i thought no i want to just try and raise awareness on the ground in my community and just grow it from there really hmm. okay and um how many women are uh how many women would you say are at risk for breast cancer right now? Like one out of how many? The statistics at the moment, and forgive me, I don't know if this covers the United States, but at the moment, the statistic in the UK is one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. The statistic for cancer is one in two. 
across the board. But for breast cancer, one in eight ladies. Um, and that doesn't, cancer, I always say to people, cancer doesn't distinguish across age, across cultures. It, it doesn't care. Um, but that is currently the statistic. And, you know, if I'm saying to you, three ladies in my family, and there's no genetic link because my cancer was based on hormones. You know, I'm age 45, hormones are changing, estrogen a little bit too high, simply mm. attaches, beg your pardon, to the milk duct and it became cancerous. And I found the lump and it's as simple as that. Um, but that's the current statistic at the moment. Do you feel like um, diet has a lot to do with um, possible cancers today? Yeah, I have changed my, I mean, I'm not any expert <laughs> on diet, um, but I do feel we are what we eat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a firm believer in that. And I've changed my diet just, just slowly and just little things like trying to cut down on my sugars, trying to have more of the good fat than the bad fats. Again, coming from an Afro-Caribbean um, background, I remember my nan, she, it was always fried foods and um, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of fresh fruits and fresh vegetables, but they would take supplements, vitamins instead. And it's like, well, you don't need vitamins. You can get this from the food. Um, so yeah, I've even stopped smoking as well. Um, so I, I just feel, yeah, you are what you eat and exercise is a big thing which I didn't do before I would go five minutes down the road and I'd jump in the car but I'm really starting to pay attention to what I'm don't get me wrong I do have the days where I go in the fridge and I open it and I'm like give me that food yeah. but you know on the whole I'm, I'm trying to pay attention because I do believe it has a big effect just lifestyle in general you know getting enough sleep not getting too stressed Mm -hmm. all has an impact on on everything yeah you know? i don't know how the food is there in uk but in america it's kind of like oh it's not real oh they put this chemical in it but how does it taste and people don't care here so they'll eat it and it's a lot of foods that we eat that are like banned from other countries mm. where it's just foods that we eat every day so i feel like with the chemicals going into our body and how it reacts I feel like here it has a lot to do with like what you're eating. Even right. our chicken has steroids in it to look better on the shelf. And it's kind of like those steroids go into our kids and then our kids end up with like full on breasts at age eight. Mm -hmm. And you're just, you're just like, where is this coming from? Or like, for instance, my six year old that has to wear deodorant because I'm not understanding why her hormones under her underarms are so strong at her age. I never wore deodorant wow. until I was 11. So it's, yeah. it, it's like you have to pay attention to a lot of that. And I think once all of that is mixed in your body, anything can happen. Absolutely. It, it's those reactions, isn't it? Because we don't know. And like you say, there's lots of preservatives, there's lots of additives to make things look pretty, to make it look nice. I mean, if you look at certain countries, and again, I'm no expert, but you know, their incidence of cancer, if you take sort of places like Japan, Hong Kong, their incidence of cancer is a lot lower. 
but they eat a lot of things like fish they eat a lot of fruit and vegetables mm -hmm. so i i firmly believe the diet has um a big part to play i remember when i came over to america on a holiday just before i got diagnosed 2018 and the fast food you know my children 19 and 15 absolutely loved it i mean obviously we have fast food here however it was so much cheaper in america um i could get two big macs for like five dollars mm -hmm. so i bought two big macs because that was cheaper i found than when i went into walmart and i tried to pick up a yogurt and they were wanting to charge like three dollars or something for a yogurt and i would look down the cereal aisle and this every single cereal just consists of sugar um so yeah it, and you know let's face it sometimes we go for what's convenient and what's mm -hmm. easy especially as working mums and dads you just want that quick convenient i fed the children and you just get on with it yeah yeah i'm always when i go grocery shopping with them i'm always looking in my cart when i feel like i'm finished and i'm just like okay chantal how much of this food is processed and how much do you have to cook from start to finish or how much can they just go in the fridge and eat so I'm very big on fruit. Um, I'm very, very big on like eating vegetables or drinking them because I juice a lot. Um, and when it comes to meat, I'm very like, well, what did they do in the process of this meat? Because right now when it comes to like our fish, they're creating fish. Hmm. And the our oceans are polluted. And so like, even if you say, you know what, I recycle, I do all of this. There's so much plastic in the ocean that they're finding whales with stomachs of plastic. They're finding fish with plastic within like their whole fiber of being. So it doesn't even matter if you're healthy and what you eat, our oceans aren't healthy and they swim in it. So it's it's yeah. hard, it's hard, but um, it's just one of those things that you have yeah. to pay attention to absolutely we can only do our best <laughs> mm -hmm. how often um would you say women should check for breast cancer right i would say um the first of every month i would say as even more regular than that um you know you're in the shower just basically run your hands you need to get like two of your fingers so um your first two fingers just run them around your breast in a circular motion you want to sort of come up to just below your chin as well um feeling for any lumps feeling for any irregular irregularities i have to say that word quite slowly bearing in mind around you know menstruation time your breasts do change anyway mm -hmm. so it's also trying to learn what your breasts are like then um you want to go right down to sort of where your rib cage is and onto your arm as well because ladies i've known ladies who have found lumps um onto their arms and you're just feeling for anything that feels different from your norm you know there's no two ladies in the world whose breasts are going to be the same feel the same look the same even as individuals our left looks different from our right um but you're just checking for anything that's different from how it would normally be and if you don't have the time to do it once a week at least just say it's the first of the month let me just have a quick check of my breast do it in the shower do it before you get in the shower um do it when you're changing your clothes to go to the gym you can fit it in anywhere any i mean we're very fortunate in this country and 
again this came through my experience um when i used instagram a lot and i would speak to ladies in america um and i would see they're phoning around to get insurances or they're phoning around to get their medication and i'm like hold on a minute i go to my gp the gp refers me to the breast clinic this is all because you know we pay our taxes so it goes to the national health service within two weeks i'm seen within two weeks thereafter i get a diagnosis i'm seen by um, an oncologist i'm seen by the surgeon i pay nothing when i even used to go and have chemotherapy i would say to the doctors can i have this please can i have that i leave the hospital with a bag of medication um so it's just a very different not a very different everything is about money everything is about access everything is about okay you say you have insurance what kind of insurance do you have oh we don't take that oh we don't take this and it's like where where's my money going am i paying people in healthcare to live their lavish lifestyle after they retire Mm -hmm. or am i paying people in healthcare to make sure my health is okay and it's very it's a very fine line here in the united states like even now with um this quarantine of what we're having a lot of people have insurance card but are being denied by a lot of doctors because they don't take that type of insurance and the places that do take their insurance oh we're not accepting new patients and that is only because i right now and am dealing with finding a dentist that will take my insurance and then the ones that i do find they tell me oh we're not taking new patients so where does that leave you and that's that's how our healthcare is here wow and i mean it would break my heart i'd be sitting there you know you've just come back from a chemotherapy session so you're not really feeling the best and mm-hmm. I, and i literally put my whole journey out on instagram um from shaving my hair to no eyebrows to challenging days to good days because i always felt you know going through the journey it's about showing positive memories and making positive memories um so sometimes i'd jump on instagram and i would see ladies you know, doing exactly what you do. They're mm-hmm. on their last set of chemo drugs and they're now having to find a replacement. And I just thought it, it was absolutely heartbreaking um, to see it and watch it and experience it. There's another lady I speak to in Pakistan and she's tried to commit suicide twice because of how she's been isolated, her family's cut her off. Having breast cancer in Pakistan is almost as if you've, you've got a curse, you've caused it on mm. yourself. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it's so interesting to see how breast cancer in different countries are managed. I mean, don't get me wrong, your services in America are absolutely amazing, but it's the hurdles and the hoops that you've got to go through. Right. If somebody's told you you've got cancer or you need a new heart or you're not well. Right. You would just think it, it, here it's like doctor. how much money do you have? Who is your family? Are you yeah. black? Are you white? Are you Asian? Um, well, we're just going to let you sit in here and not have these meds that you need or we're going to ignore your your um, needs while you're in here. And it's very like, why does it have to be those other things? Why can't it just be, I'm sick, I need help, I need a doctor? Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember probably 
um, it was about three years after the Twin Towers and I came out to Manhattan because my uncle had pancreatic cancer. And again, he kept it very hush-hush, didn't tell anybody, to the point that when I arrived in Manhattan and went to see him in the hospital, I walked past him because I didn't recognize him. That's how much the cancer had totally um, changed him and destroyed him. And in our country here, if you're in hospital, and you need an ambulance to get home, it's part of the service you get in hospital. And I remember my aunt having to get her credit card out to pay for an ambulance to get my uncle home who was dying. He, he didn't just have cancer, he was dying of cancer, but his insurance didn't cover the ambulance. Right, a and lot of the insurance don't. And even at my, that was one thing that I was terrified about at um, my job that I was working at while pregnant with my kids um if you go into labor you can't leave and drive and go to the hospital even if somebody takes you so you would basically have to keep it secret go downstairs into the parking lot have someone drive you i even talked to like my kid's dad i'm just like if it happens i'm gonna call you from the parking lot and then you could take me even though the hospital that was going to was about five minutes from my job at that time. They would call an ambulance and then you would have to pay for it, which is like thousands of dollars. Gosh. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, um, it's absolutely shocking because here I pick up the phone, I hit 999. It will say police, ambulance or um, fire brigade. And I say which service I want and they're here. And, and, mm -hmm. and that's it. You know, we pay 20% um, of whatever we earn and that just goes to all these public services. Uh, so even if you don't work and you need a hospital, you just walk into a hospital, you are going to get the same care anybody else is going to get, whether you work or whether you don't work. Yeah. It's as simple as that, you know? Yeah, that's, um, that's all um, American politics is very, yeah. it's very, um, we're not here to help you, but how much are you going to pay me? Right. Like even all our ambulance uh, companies, they're private. So they're not even working with the hospitals. It's kind of like in the Jewish community, they have Jewish um, ambulance companies. It's, no one else is picking them up. It's that. And then in other communities, you gotta get whoever's coming. And wow. it's, it's crazy. It's wild. Um, sure I, I just wish, I just wish it would change to where you know, people shouldn't let themselves basically die, no matter what sicknesses or illnesses they have, because they can't afford it. Absolutely. That shouldn't be the case. People shouldn't be, um, you know, stopped from going to college because they can't afford it, where mm -hmm. other countries pay for that. Uh, it's just, it's our structure. Our structure is, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in cases of breast cancer, how often um, do you see or think that the breast cancer can come back? Like what's... Um, I, in my instance, um, because of the type of breast, they, they, with breast cancer as a whole, they give you a five year window. Mm -hmm. um, once you've 
completed whatever, whether you have surgery, chemo, radio. The following year, every year on diagnosis for five years, you will have a repeat mammoplasty. That's just standard practice for everybody. Um, and that will, you know, check the breast, just make sure everything is okay. You will then see the oncologist if you need to. So they give you a five-year window. If, if you're you've gone through the five years, they pretty much then put you back into the system. So it's every three years now, yeah. you know, you'll just get the, mamma, um, the mammogram done. In my case, I had uh, another test done. And again, they only offer it to you depending on the type of breast cancer. And it came back saying that within nine years, if I only had surgery, there was a 20% chance it could return if i had surgery and chemotherapy no sorry surgery and radiotherapy it dropped it to 15 radiotherapy chemotherapy and surgery dropped it to five percent so my chances now within the nine years have dropped it to five percent um but generally they give you a five-year window i've known of ladies not personally but via instagram where within two or three years the cancer has returned within wow. 10 years the cancer has returned but what i i mean i'm a nurse myself by profession but i didn't even know that there were 12 different types of breast cancer you know Me I, had either. To, <laughs> I had no idea um you know, I'm a school nurse uh, and I did oncology way years ago in my training. And I went away because I'm, I'm a strong believer that knowledge is key. And when I go and see the doctors, I want to go in and be part of what they're telling me, be part of those decisions, you know, question them. Um, so I had to go away and re-educate myself on breast cancer. And I was like, wow, 12 different I just thought breast cancer was breast cancer. Um, and that was it. But depending on the type of whether it's hormone receptive, um, where it's happened in the breast, yeah, it's um, there. There's a lot out there, and that again depends on the type of treatment that ladies will have, the type of chemotherapy, um, as well as radiotherapy that they will have. But yeah, five years they say. Wow, I um. I always listen to people speak about breast cancer. I'm just like, well, they're not talking about what I'm thinking about. And what I'm usually thinking about is the fact that on top of everything that you guys are dealing with and going through, in the middle of, okay, the cancer is gone, let me be prepared and look out for it coming back. Mm -hmm. That section right there, you're going to need therapy to figure out how to live life to the fullest extent and not be in fear of um, always feeling like it's going to come back and your life is going to be like on pause again and you can't yeah. do certain things. So for you being that you've experienced, um, you know, going through the process, how do you, uh, not let the fear of or the thoughts of it coming back interfere with how you live your life yeah um i mean when i i always say to people because you know people have this notion okay you've had surgery you've had chemo you've had radiotherapy it's done and dusted go and get on with your life mm -hmm. and you know you go through those those milestones i call them but every time i have chemo i see a doctor they check my blood they do scans i know i'm okay but then you come to the end of your treatment 
the oncologist signs you off, the surgeon signs you off, you don't see anybody. So now you start thinking, oh, every little twinge I used to get, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's cancer. Oh my gosh, that's cancer. My back hurts, it's cancer. This hurts, it's cancer. And you can literally drive yourself mad with it. And I literally did drive myself mad with it. And I had to say to myself, I'm a woman of God. I strongly believe in God. And my faith was what got me through. And I had to just say, Lord, you've brought me through this cancer. So he didn't give it to me, but he brought me through so I can help other women you know, hopefully somebody will listen to this conversation that we're having and they might think, well, actually, I've been meaning to get my breast checked or something they might take from it. That's but what I, I just, want. <laughs> yeah, I just had to, I've had to give it to God, really, because like I say, I say to people, actually, for me personally, it's now the healing begins. I finished chemotherapy on the 9th of August last year mm. and it's only after that the side effects really start kicking in. I got to the point I couldn't even walk up a, a flight of stairs. But, you know, like I said to you earlier, I did a bit of keep fit today. There's no way this time last year I would have been able to do keep fit. So I just keep focusing on the little milestones that I do. And, you know, if something ain't right, yes, I did. One of the medications that I'm on at the moment causes a lot of abdominal pain. So I just, I got a bit paranoid with that. But this was during COVID, went straight back to the GP. They sent me for tests. And I just now say to myself, Natasha, give it to God. You know, you are here. You cannot keep constantly living in that fear because otherwise it would just ruin ruin your days ruin your thoughts and yeah. it is that fear that yeah okay it could come back but I'm like you know what I pray it never comes back and I'm very optimistic anyway you know I also lost a son 15 years ago when he wow. was born 19 hours after he was born and I think that's been my motivation just to get through life and I think if I can get through that I can get through anything so just try and keep it positive when those negative thoughts come into my mind just think okay counteract that with something positive mm -hmm. and I think it's no point worrying about something that ain't happened that's what I have to keep telling myself it ain't happened why are you thinking about it why are you worrying about it um because then it's just taking away your joy and your peace mm -hmm. and that's what you're trying to get back so yeah just counteract to a negative with a positive I think that's good um while you were speaking I was like I wonder if they have you know something set up or set aside for patients that are going through the chemo like a, a chemo buddy nurse because I know not everybody has someone to take them back and forth from chemo not everybody has someone to help them get up steps or maintain moving around in their house and it's kind of like you would want a nurse or someone you know certified to understand that process to be there with you and that should be like something that is something that we have but again yes I don't think, I mean, you know, if it's a case of going back and forth to your appointments, you have the transport system. Um, but I understand what you're saying, you know, when you've had your chemotherapy, you get home, it'd be nice if you don't have family, if somebody's there to help you have a shower, get you into bed, fix you an evening meal, all of that would be absolutely lovely, which we don't actually have 
a service like that unless you pay for it you know you get a private carer um however we're very fortunate and i'm not sure if you have the same service in america we have the chemotherapy suites at the end of the phone when that suite shuts down in the evenings um we've still got access to somebody we have the um chemotherapy nurses the breast care nurses so you have pretty much around the clock medical support um but like you say somebody in the home you generally probably have to pay for that privately but i was very fortunate i had my family with me but i'm also the type of person i'm like no my mind tells me i can climb that flight of stairs my mind tells me i can get out of the bed and no, me. <laughs> even though it's going to take me half an hour to fill the kettle lift the kettle put the sugar in the tea yeah i'm gonna do it and that's what I had to do because for me, I didn't want, you know, especially being a woman of color, I was always somebody, I'd have my weaves on or I'd have my crochet braids. I put them in, take them out, do it all myself. So when I lost my hair, I was like, oh, I I've got no hair, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, for the first two weeks, I wore a scarf and I remember going to chemotherapy unit and one day I thought, you know what, I'm not putting that scarf back on my head. I'm just going to walk out here and I'm just going to rock my bald head because mm -hmm. this is me. This is my story. So mm -hmm. every day I would try and drag myself out of bed, take me the whole day, something to eat, walk around the park because I didn't want to reinforce that you're on chemotherapy. Okay, you're sick okay, you got cancer. I was like, no, 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 no. The cancer's gone because they've cut it out of my body. The chemotherapy, I see it as an injection, you know, like a vaccination, just a preventative. So just try and have some form of normality, even if it's just a walk around the park, because that's what normal people do. That's what people yeah. who don't have cancer do. Um, so for me, that that's what I did every day, uh, rather than just come home and yeah, you feel rotten. Don't get me wrong. You know, you feel absolutely awful. Um, mm -hmm. But I just thought I'm not giving into it by sitting in the bed and just wasting away. <laughs> you know. Good, good. Yeah, you have to push through that. Um, just like you would push through any other negative in your life. You can't absolutely. sit stagnant because that's when the stress comes in, and that's what helps bring it back. So, yes. um, you know, we have to do the opposite just like how our body normally fights for us we gotta mm -hmm. fight for our bodies and uh yeah. that's just something we have to do um and it's quite a strange one actually because you think your body's tried to attack you yeah. by making these cancer cells but in the same breath here's my body now fighting to try and save me it's a mm -hmm. weird one to try and get your head around that yeah. concept i think yeah. when, when when people get any like type of cancer cells or tumors, you gotta think of it as possible people that come to your life as friends. And then you learn that they were in disguise as something else. And I feel like that's what those cells are. It looked like something normal that's supposed to be here. And then it mm -hmm. grows into something that's toxic to the body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how, you know, breast cancer cells work. Because um, before I had my second child, I had an um, a uncle who here in America is very rare that black men take themselves to the doctor, that black men uh, go to all of their preventative care each year. He will go to his dentist appointments twice in the year. 
He had about four different types of glasses in rotation, always went for his exams. He went for his colonoscopies when he was supposed to, everything, his physicals, everything. And he always had a fear of being in his 50s and dying because all of his siblings got to their 50s and died except one. Right. So he always was like very animate about, you know, making sure I go to the doctor. And I don't know if he was 59 or 58, but he went to the doctor, um, found out he had stage four brain cancer. And I just slowly watched his body deteriorate until like I got to the hospital and I would go see him before work and he didn't recognize me. And I would just let him talk. And because I was pregnant, I had to limit me seeing him, which, mm-hmm. which bothered me because I want to see him, but I can't take the stress. So yeah. it, was, it was very hard to see. And uh, he, he died before he could meet my second kid. And just like even men that take their, their care, you know, to like the utmost importance, and can end up like that and it's it's, it's very hard to um try to understand like how can a man that was so healthy and took care of himself end up like that but it happens every day yeah it does unfortunately um and you know breast cancer I always remember the breast it was quite funny actually because like I say you go to the appointment you have a mammogram you have a biopsy then you go back and you see the doctor they pull up the mammogram on the screen being a nurse myself he did that doctor face you know when they do that doctor face that look (laughs) of concern finger on the chin and they put their head to the left and I said to him don't do that don't do that (laughs) because this is the same hospital I work in don't do that I said why are you doing that face and he said to me I said why are you you know, and he said, he said, it looks like cancer. Mm. And I remember leaving the very same hospital that I'd worked in for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And just going to the desk, because I remember them saying to me, you need to book another appointment. I went to the desk and I remember the lady, the receptionist, she was taking forever to book this appointment. And you know, when you're trying to hold back the tears, I'm trying to hold back the tears because I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. Because your mind is wandering. Yeah. And I'm thinking, lady, just hurry up and give me. I'm laughing now, but at the time. And I remember walking out the hospital and thinking, okay, that's it. So I'm 45. I'm going to die. I need to start planning my funeral. So then when I went, but yeah, when I went back two weeks later and the doctor said to me, right, it's stage one. And I remember when I went with my mum, they mm-hmm. gave my mum this book. It was quite ironic, actually, because I was sitting in the waiting room and I'm sitting there. I'm feeling sick. I've got palpitations. I'm sweating because now I'm waiting for the results for you to tell me whether this cancer has gone through my body or we're just stage one, stage two. Mm-hmm. And they were running behind, as they always do at the, the doctor's. And I remember it whittling down from like 30 ladies. And then there was four ladies left. And every time the door opened, my heart would skip a beat because I'm waiting for them to say my name, call me in. And I saw the nurse pick up the same book she gave my mum. You only get this book when it's confirmed cancer. And I saw her pick up this book and walk into the room. And I said to my mum, they're going to call me in that room. And I remember them calling me in and 
I remember I sat down and the breast care nurse had the book in her hand. And I remember saying to the doctor, you don't need to say it because she's got the book in her hand. I said, mm. you're the same doctor that saw my mum. But I remember her saying to me, breast cancer, if you're going to get, she said to me, if you're going to get any cancer, breast cancer is one of the better ones because generally a lump is found most women with breast cancer not in my aunt's case hers was picked up in a mammogram because it was quite deep in the breast tissues mm -hmm. but mine was a lump my mum's was a lump um, and the majority of breast cancers are picked up with women finding a lump where it goes wrong is when they don't act on the lump they just think oh it's just a little cyst or oh it's just a little fatty gland I'm gonna yeah. leave it and by the time they leave it, it's spread to the auxiliary glands and it's gone on to stage three, stage four. So breast cancer is one of the better ones. You know, like you say, in your uncle's case, unfortunately, some cancers are so much harder to detect, you know, and some of them like pancreatic cancers and rectal cancers or ovarian cancers for ladies so, by the time. Because you say that, that's what I thought he was going to have. Because even he right. would talk to me about having blood in his stool ah. for like a year prior, but he will also share that with his doctor. And so he was doing tests on his colon to see if that was the case, but it wasn't. So right. he, I feel like he, him having the fear of dying in his 50s because his siblings all died in, his, in their 50s and him being on alert with things that he was seeing how can you mm. see brain cancer? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's only when it gets to the very end stages, and that's why I was saying initially back in the beginning, keep going back to the GPs because especially being a young lady, I remember speaking to one lady, she had, um, I think she was 26, and she had ovarian cancer. And her only signs was, her periods had changed a little bit. However, she just had a baby. So that's kind of, kind of, you say, you know, you wouldn't think, okay, that's ovarian cancer. She also had abdominal bloating, um, which is another sign of, you know, cancers um, sort of in that area. And she went back to the GP and they fobbed her off five times. And she said, no, I want to go and see an oncologist. And it turned out that she did actually have ovarian cancer, age 26. Um, but black men as well, or men of color, they are probably worse than us ladies are going to the, the, the GP. I mean, the statistic here in the UK is one in eight black men will have prostate cancer. And I was speaking to a couple of um, my male friends the other day and they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going. It's gay. It's gay. And I'm like, no, it's not gay. So one of them is in America. These are friends that I've actually found throughout lockdown. Um, so we have like a little social group. So all three of these gentlemen now have agreed if they each book an appointment, they will go one in the two in the UK and one in the States. They will go and have their prostate checked because men are the worst. I think they're like, oh, we'll go. I'll just leave it. But yeah. you can't. You can't. Because like I say, you know, it may be nothing like the majorities of lumps are nothing they're, they're just benign tumors which are fine but what you don't want is to go and they're telling you okay you're stage three and you know it's a completely different story and a completely different mm. experience then yeah it's it's 
Oh, it's just like scary to think for even somebody that you may know, but it's scary to think for yourself and not like know like how much time you have, what can you do, and am I a prisoner in my body? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I think you know the scariest thing for me was you sort of think, oh my gosh, my my body can make cancer cells. And when I think about it now, I was actually in America on holiday. Mm-hmm. enjoying myself I got diagnosed about four days after my 45th birthday so you just think my days and I had no other had I not felt the lump I would have been none the wiser I had cancer mm-hmm. nothing had changed for me I was still working six days a week my appetite was good I was sleeping good there was no other signs even my bloods I had some bloods taken they came back normal the only indication that something wasn't right was I had a lump in my left breast um and you know it was quite ironic actually because my I had a dream my granddad who's passed and I kept thinking oh I'm just gonna go and get this lump check and he came to me one night in the dream and he said to me it all he said was it's cancer and he disappeared in this dream And I woke up the next day and I was like, no, you really need to go and make that appointment. And I think, had I not had that dream. You wouldn't have went. No, because I'm like, oh, it's just a lump. It's only there like when, you know, I'm menstruating and yeah. So I'm just, thank God I did. Otherwise our conversation would have been very different. For people who are good listeners to their selves and to messages of people who were once in our life and are not anymore. You don't have to be the most religious person. You don't have to be the most spiritual person. But I feel like people don't come to you in visions or messages Mm -hmm. for no reason. And if you have a dream or a a vision of something happening before it happens or something happening in your in your dream while you sleep do that thing because i get visions of things happening verbatim how they happen in a different day before sometimes and i i take it as like okay this is a message Maybe this is something that I'm doing for someone else. Maybe this is something I'm doing for myself, but I'm supposed to do it. So it's it's very important to take heed of our our dreams and messages that we get because it can be saving us. Absolutely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And just listening to our instinct, you know, something that doesn't feel right, get it checked out. And even if you do get it checked out and you come out and you're not satisfied you're still on edge go somewhere yeah. else and get that checked out you know because there's no harm in having two different opinions if we have to stop are, we have to stop allowing ourselves to leave doctor's offices with questions yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and I always say to people like I used to do questions come into my head I write it down because you go in there mm-hmm. and sometimes you just lose your train of thought or they start telling you stuff and your mind leaves the room your body's still there but your mind's gone somewhere else so always write your questions down and question them um mm-hmm. you know my nan used to say not because they're a doctor that means they got it right question them because at the end of the day it's your body so you just mm-hmm. want to make sure what's going on 
you know, not that your knowledge may be any better than them, but you are part of their decision making that involves your body. Um, so it's important, yeah, just to just to have an idea of what's going on. Like I said, I'm in the medical profession myself, and I was unaware that there were twelve types of breast cancer. So I had to listen. You just and gave me a revelation that. today because I didn't know. Yeah, and I had to go away and re-educate myself on lots of things and chemotherapy drugs. There's so many different types of chemo um, where training as a nurse, we only had two weeks on that, you know, and it wasn't an area that I specialized in or worked in. Mm -hmm. So I literally had, and it's quite funny, I think sometimes when you're in the medical profession, I mean, I don't know, but I found your knowledge you go from zero to 100 you know you just think worst case scenario because you know of everything that can go wrong um whereas if somebody doesn't have that much knowledge you're not as panicked or you know sometimes you think that's it this ain't gonna happen that ain't gonna happen it spreads so yeah just it drives you a little bit mad <laughs> it plays on your mind a bit more but knowledge is key for for everybody you know even medicines they used to give me I'm not familiar with it I would come home I would look it up and things like that so it's important yeah um how uh do you think we can do a better job of normalizing breast cancer discussion I think more of us need to talk about it um lots of ladies that I'm networking with like yourself it's great and we are all women of color and like I say when I was going through my journey I found so many Instagram I was never somebody who had an Instagram account but my daughter would always send me stuff and she was like mom I'm just going to set you up an account and I remember the first day I came home from chemotherapy and I thought oh this is all right it ain't bad they've put these drugs in my body and I'm walking around the park and I feel absolutely fine Six hours later, ladies who, like yourself, have had babies can relate to nausea during pregnancy. I thought that nausea was bad, but chemotherapy nausea is just on another level. So I went onto Instagram and it was a few ladies I found in America and they were just encouraging me and saying, you know, you can do this. And to this day, we still talk. And I just think, it's going to take more than one person to change the world and it's cultural isn't it because you're in the united states and culturally it's the same as it is in the uk we just don't talk about it but i think if each person just and some people are private that's fine some people don't want to share but you know those of us who are actively trying to do and spread the message we just have to keep plugging it plugging it plugging it talking about it and trying to sometimes it's hard because even when you look in the media um and that's why i started that page as well on instagram when ladies are like right what does it look like to have a mammoplasty that that's the surgery i've had where they've taken about 20 percent of my breast away and reconstructed it Mm -hmm. what does it look like to have a lumpectomy where they've just removed the cancer what does that look like on dark skin you try and google it and there's no images there you know all these campaigns all these leaflets in the media it's not ladies of dark skin so i think we have to just start as we are on the ground and just keep plugging it and just 
hopefully it will take off you know somebody sees your podcast or has listened to the podcast I'm trying to set some bits up at the community center to, to support people who have cancer as well as family members and the more of us who talk about it it's okay you know um and I, I'm hoping our generation is different to the generation before us who kept it oh don't say it's hush hush oh yeah I feel like they are they share everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they're very much don't say, don't say, don't say, as if it's a curse or that our generation we're just more open with it, and hopefully that will filter down throughout the because, like I say, it's it's that early detection, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. That makes such a difference to the person's prognosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and fear is another thing that stops people going because you don't want to hear that that news. Oh, I've got cancer. Nobody wants to hear that. But I would rather hear you've got cancer and it's curable rather than you've got cancer and you've left it too late. Right. Like I feel like even the fact that we've had greeting cards and all types of cards in stores, right? Yeah. Where's the section for people who have cancer because it's so widespread. Where are those cards at? Because a lot of people don't even know how to approach someone that has cancer and they don't have it. They don't know, um, am I supposed to apologize about something? And I'm the type of person where I don't like people, no matter what happens, if somebody died to me, Mm -hmm. um, around me, or or if I'm going through something, I don't like people apologizing to me as if they did something. And I don't like coming up to people who've had like a, a debt or dealt with someone with an illness that was close to them and saying, um, I know what you're going through because I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very, um, just very surfacey to be like, I'm sorry, I can only imagine. No, you can't. Yeah. So I don't say those things. So I feel like people need help in a lot of areas of illnesses that have been around for decades that yeah. is not being looked at. And Again, the more we talk about it, the more comfortable people would be with having the discussions. Like it shouldn't be something in secret because the reason I share so much is to make someone who is clueless that's about to go through a transition in their life comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because I'm yeah. sure for you, there were moments where you wish someone would tell you before you got in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know so that's what sharing does. Sharing makes people um, prepare mentally, physically, emotionally, and they don't feel like they're being thrown into like this dark hole of this place because I'm, I'm I have a disease or I have a sickness where that can kill me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you touched upon people. A lot of people don't know what to say to somebody who has cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they and. I would have like my mum's friends when I would go to the shop, you know, like I say, I used to just rock my bald head and they would be like, why do you cut your hair? And I'm like, no, I haven't cut my hair. I've got cancer. Which would be very rude to say. And that's why you don't approach someone being like, oh, that hair, you cut it off. (laughs) Especially if you haven't seen them in a while. You don't know why I cut it off. Just like you don't approach 
you don't approach a person that you assume to be pregnant and be like, so how far along are you? You don't yes. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's certain things you just don't do. Um, and I would say to them, oh, I've, I've had cancer. And I would just say it casually, like, oh, how are you? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just on chemo. I've had cancer. And their faces would just drop. Yeah. Where if you me oh hi Natasha I haven't seen you for a while how's your mum doing how you doing then we have a conversation now you know why I've got no hair on my head or why I've got no eyebrows or what have you but a lot of people don't know what to say they don't so they don't say anything so they avoid you and I'm like no just talk to me as you would normally talk to me you can say to me Natasha how are you feeling today but that's just one thing I want you to ask me now I want you just to talk to me normally as you yeah. would as if I didn't have cancer because um and it's I don't sorry, like attention I don't like attention like that yeah no not at all it was quite funny I was dating somebody at the time for nine months when I got diagnosed mm-hmm. um and his only experience of cancer was his, his mum's sister who actually died and he said you know he watched her die and you know obviously it's it, it soul destroyed but it got to the point I used to say to him I'm the one with the diagnosis, not you. So you need to snap out of it. You need to just crack on. I'm going to work laughing and joking every single day. I've got my plan. I'm not dying. They've said it's stage one. I'm having operation. I've even got the operation date. Let me work right up until the day before the operation. But he just couldn't cope. So in the end, I actually broke the relationship off because I thought, he is just, he's no good for my mental health. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've only been dating him for nine months, but I thought he's just making my mental health worse. And I thought, well, if you can't cope with this, how are you going to cope with my altered body image? You know? Um, so, yeah, that, that was something I just, and you will find that ladies or gents, because men get breast cancer too, going through this, there may be some people that you just have to, walk away from for your own sanity and not feel any guilt Mm -hmm. at that time you need someone that's boosting you up more than you're boosting you up yeah and if you don't have that it's kind of like you're sinking me Mm. and I can't think right now I can't afford to sink right now I can't afford to have those thoughts so if you're not going to change them we need to disengage yeah Yeah, absolutely and you know I just thought no I just need and again I'm not saying that every person is going to react the same to a diagnosis of cancer because everybody's Mm -hmm. individual Mm -hmm. so I don't expect you know you to act the same way as me and vice versa but you just have to kind of just roll with how the person if you see that person coping with it just try and cope with it yourself as well and even if you can't cope with it don't do it in front of them because you're just bringing them down um as well you know and a lot of people forget about the carers as my daughter she was excellent she was always there for me you know 18 at the time and a lot of people forget about the carers who are closely looking after people who are going through cancer because it's always they say to the person with cancer oh how are you but they never say to the carer how are you um and it's only when I did this 
um, I went to do some photos with another group I found on Instagram as well. And mm. they were taking pictures of the lady's breasts, you know, tastefully done, just showing the um, change to our bodies, which is going to be displayed actually in the Tate Modern Gallery. But Corona came along. And I would always say to my children, you know, my son was 14 at the time, my daughter 18. And I'd always say to them, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And they'd be like, fine, mum, fine, mum. And you know, you just think, okay, are they fine? And my daughter was always, I'm fine, mum. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know? And it's only when we went to take these photographs and the photographer simply said to her, so how are you doing? And she burst into tears. And my heart just because I thought for two years and my daughter's she's not like a girly girl you know she's quite hardcore and mm-hmm. and she just lost it and I thought my goodness for two years you have been holding this in so you know if somebody is listening to this who is a carer it's equally important that you look after yourself as well take time out for yourself as much as you want to focus on the person you're looking after you need that time for your own health your own mental health and emotional needs as well there um well 2 a.m this morning i was on instagram and there was a doctor making a video about um awareness on doctors mental health right now with this covid situation and it yeah. made me think of this, um, I forgot what you call them, but I there was a time where I was feeling like I was having a heart issue where my chest would hurt. So I went yeah. to this doctor's office and I said, I want an exam, like I want a whole physical, I want you to run all these tests to see if you know everything is what it needs to be. And yeah. she was doing the picture of my heart. And before that, she was saying that she used to do um, the pictures for people's babies so they can check on their babies. But she said she was having such a relationship with the mothers over the weeks that they would come in. And then when they would lose their babies, she couldn't handle it. So she switched to checking people's hearts because it was less of an attachment. Like she said, she would get really depressed seeing baby mother after mother here and then not here so it does affect them it does affect them it it does you know um i mean the surgeon that i've got she's just absolutely amazing you know originally she was my mum's surgeon and then it just so happened that i'm on the same team Mm -hmm. and i've still got to have a right breast reconstruction because like i say at the moment my left breast with the mammoplasty is probably I would say about I don't know if your sizing in America is the same but it's probably about a double d where my right breast is a lot bigger so the intention was the first of April before corona sort of struck to have my right breast reconstructed so they're both the same size mm-hmm. um not to do the surgery at the same time because you know they it's a bit like building a house you need to kind of let the new breast take its own natural shape and settle Mm -hmm. and then they can model you know model the right breast off the left breast so I still got that to have done but um yeah my surgeon she's just 
amazing. I said to her, you've actually turned me into a flasher because I'm always sort of showing, I'm like saying, look at my new boobs, look at my yeah. new boobs. Yeah, because it's nice, to, especially when you've had children. So it's a nice perky one. I can't say the same for the other one at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm happy with my new boobs, definitely. Okay. <laughs> um, I always tell people that, like, if you're pregnant and this is your first kid, if you didn't think you like being in the nude now, wait till <laughs> you have that baby. Because when, when you're in labor and all these nurses are coming in the room, you don't know their name. You never met them before. And they're just all up in, in, your, in your area. And I'm just like, hey, this is my vagina. I'm just looking at my vagina. And, and that's how it is when you go through something like that. So. Absolutely. So now I, I just go in, I just strip off. And she's like, Tasha, sometimes she's like, I didn't actually need you to take your top off. I'm like, well, we're here. You might as well have a look because you just lose all of those inhibitions. Like you say, you know, once you've had a baby, it's just right. Just get on with it because you're in so much pain at the time. You don't even care who's right. in that room. <laughs> right. It is nothing for me to get naked. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what can women do to be more, more responsible about their bodies? Or men, because men get breast cancer too. Absolutely. The, the main thing I would say is self-checking. Make it, you know, mark it on your calendar, put it in your phones, put it in whatever devices you have. The first of every month, minimum, just have a feel of both breasts. Like I say, if you can do it once a month, great. But just bearing in mind, I wouldn't say do it around your menstruation time because your breasts change. Sometimes they're a bit more lumpy. Um, but the first of every month, depending on how your cycle falls, even if it is around your cycle time, just check your breasts all the time because that like I say the majority of breast cancers are found by lumps um as we discussed before diet you know smoking drinking um I mean don't get me wrong I sometimes have a drink I had a little drink last night with a few friends on a zoom party but I've stopped smoking I'm trying to eat more sensibly I'm trying mm -hmm. to incorporate a lot more exercise in my diet but a lot of breast cancers just happen because of our female hormones and it's not not through its fault but check your breast check your breast anything you know even if it is a little lump or a bump just go and get it checked because it's better to have it checked rather than leave it and it goes from a stage one to a stage four and it's quite funny one of my other good friends I remember one day I was I think it, normally when I'd have chemotherapy it'd be on a Friday and I'd be fine on the Friday Saturday and the Sunday I would start to dip and go down so the Tuesday a friend and I went for something to eat and I went to a Chinese restaurant and I just felt so I sat in the car crying he went into Asda which is now Walmart mm -hmm. um and I just sat in the car and I was just crying and crying and crying. And then I got a message through for another friend. She also got diagnosed with breast cancer. So, of course, that made me cry even more. But hers was pre-cancerous cells. They hadn't actually developed into a stage one. But again, it was just a tiny little lump she found. So had she had left that and just thought, oh, it's just a tiny little lump, you know, that could have progressed to a stage two, stage three. So 
we have to take responsibility for our own bodies because even though yes you might be in the system to have mammograms done I still have to check my breasts even though I'm going to have a mammogram every year so I think yeah the onus is on us at the end of the day you know our bodies our responsibility mm-hmm. um I love social media when it comes to uh okay I have this let me put this in the search and see who has this or what's available for this. So when it comes to resources for breast cancer, again, I put breast cancer into the search and I found you on IG. And we're now having this uh, discussion. And it's about that. It's about sharing. Because if you weren't sharing, I wouldn't find you. We wouldn't have this conversation. And for women, what would you say is the best go-to for resources for breast cancer? Because it can't just be your doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I was saying earlier, you know, it's just little things. If you even want to talk about your hair journey, for me, Instagram was a good source to find ladies who look like me, ladies who can understand how my hair's kinky. Um, You know, my hair's only just growing back now. And we're able to share things culturally that other cultures may not understand so you know here in the UK you've probably got it I don't know if you've got it in the States Matt Millen um, we've got Cancer UK all those other outlets that you can go to um, mm-hmm. who are professional bodies and you know they can put you in contact if you need help with somebody for like your emotional needs or you've got your breast care nurses but social media Instagram in particular was a good network for me and like I say I speak to somebody in Pakistan lots of ladies um in the states ladies less ladies in the UK they're the ones I'm trying to dig out because I know they are here um but social media for me definitely is a good go-to and you know I try to put I try to make the page as varied as possible. I've got five ladies I'm going to feature again this week. Um, Some have finished, one's finished radiotherapy, some's finished chemotherapy, some it's just their year's anniversary. And I always say to ladies, just send me anything because there's always something on that page that somebody will message me and say, I can identify with that. you know, so I just try to keep it as varied as possible and just speak to your friends and network with other ladies, whether they've been through it or not. Because like I say, even if somebody has gone through the same journey, your journeys are going to be slightly different, but you can still most certainly relate to each other. But don't keep it in. Do not not share it because that's the worst thing you can do because you know, you're battling your body, you're battling your mind, you're battling your emotions. So don't just sit there in silence and suffer because um, that is the worst thing to do. I agree. Before we go, um, can you share some words of encouragement for any women or men going through this process of finding out they have breast cancer and the beginning stages? and just like what they do yeah absolutely you know like I said any lumps um anything you're not sure of any changes in your breast please do go and get it checked nobody wants to hear the words you've got cancer 
but it's better to hear the words you've got cancer and we can cure it rather than it's gone too far it's spread to other parts of your body and you know for those who are unfortunate to get the cancer diagnosis I think the main thing is I always used to say to myself I had cancer cancer never had me you know I'd flip it reverse psychology I had the cancer in my breast cancer doesn't tell me what to do it's not coming to take over my life and it's just about trying to stay as positive as possible and don't get me wrong it's not easy there was days when I'd just be crying I remember one day I just stayed in bed and I thought I'm not getting out of bed I didn't brush my teeth I didn't have a shower and I love food and the next day I had all mouth ulcers from the chemo and I thought Natasha I'm not doing that again <laughs> you know you've got to get yourself out of the bed but the key is day at a time don't try and look into next week just mm -hmm. do a day at a time you've woken up today thank God for that and you just take your time hour by hour and get through the day and then when you've got through the day you say right okay tomorrow's another day and you do the same thing and when I was going through my treatments I had 18 weeks I remember the, the consultant saying to me 18 weeks of chemotherapy and I was quickly trying to count 18 weeks on my fingers translating that into months so I got a calendar and every week I ticked off another week so give yourself little goals it doesn't have to be anything huge it could just be something as simple as making yourself a cup of tea or mm -hmm. sitting out of bed for an hour you know because chemotherapy obviously affects everybody differently but mm -hmm. it's a day at a time if you're a man or a woman of faith trust in god whatever your faith you know um turn to that use the resources that you have around you speak to your friends and your family i know not everybody's you know in a situation where they might have that strong family and friends sort of bond and environment but just use whatever resources you have and try not to just sit there and manage it on your own and you know what you you can be happy one minute and sad the next that is normal yeah don't beat yourself up you know don't think oh i should be doing this I, no just listen to your body and day at a time is my advice. And just remember um, the light at the end of the tunnel, because when you see it, it is just amazing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so day at a time and, and just keep, keep faith. Yeah. I love it. Where can everyone find you or contact you? Okay, thank you. So I'm on Instagram at black, bald, as in bald head, N, beautiful so black bald and beautiful um and like i say i set that instagram page up last october um because when i would go on other instagram pages it was predominantly not ladies of color and they've got tens and thousands of followers mm. and i thought oh, okay i don't have tens and thousands of followers mm. but i probably have about one and a half thousand followers but for me, it's what the page does for people. It's not about who's following me, who's following me. Yeah, I would love to be tens and thousands of followers. But as long as that page is helping ladies, and I know it is because they message me and they tell me and they will, you know, say, right, this has happened. And I say, oh, 
I know another lady who's had that surgery, so I'm going to put you in contact with her. Or they would just ask simple questions like, I've finished chemotherapy six months ago, still feeling nauseated. Oh, yeah, that happened to me. You know, just, just little things. So it's clearly working for the audience that it's targeted towards. And that's good enough for me. Um, and like I say, at the end of the day, I'm networking with ladies like yourself. Um, mm -hmm. The BBC has also contacted me as well. I'm trying to set some bits up in the community. So, you know, as you network and as you get different ideas, other little projects spiral from that as well. But yeah, Black, Bald and Beautiful is where I can be found. Mm -hmm. And, and I... send me anything, I can post it on there. there there's yeah. no rules or regulations as to what I post, anything. Yeah, I want to thank you for doing it because that's how I found you and just going through the page. I like Instagram pages of people who have something to say. It's not just look at this that I got, look at me, like what do you have to say? And your page says a lot. It gives a lot of information. It thank shows you. it shows you what this is, you know what I'm saying? And um this generation will call you the plug. And oh. <laughs> the, the plug is basically the person that connects other people and other things. And you're connecting wow. women all over the world, no matter what they're going through and sharing their experiences and being super grateful about their experiences that they're sharing. And with that, it makes me feel like, okay, now I see why a woman would feel ashamed of the fact that she had breast cancer because who would willingly want to show someone their body changing and being mm. uncomfortable with that change and seeing that change but women need to see it because it's going Absolutely. to make you more sympathetic to the next person going through this so it yeah. needs to be seen and um i will be posting and reposting what you post and um, I will you. be sharing yeah. this and I just want more women and men to be aware and comfortable with their bodies because just because our bodies are changing and going through transitions doesn't mean we automatically are done. Absolutely. And that's why I try to, you know, there are some amazing women who have sent pictures of their bodies post-surgery. And I'm just like, thank you but because I always check with ladies so many ladies are like oh just take my pictures and post it but even though they've said that to me I always say to them right I've seen your picture do you mind if I repost that because mm -hmm. some of the most powerful pictures I have on there are ladies who are showing their body image um, and there's one lady on there again from America and she's had a bilateral mastectomy Mm -hmm. And it, there's another lady I follow who's actually a doctor and she was stage, I, I just admire her so much, a young lady. Um, I think her Instagram name is M's Living a Best Life. And I just admire her so much. She's actually a doctor. Her story quickly, she had a, uh, a baby. She said in the delivery suite, her nipples started bleeding. And she didn't think anything of it. Her mum's also a general practitioner and her sister is an anaesthetist. So you've got mm -hmm. three doctors in the room. 
the midwives didn't think anything of it you know you've just had a baby your nipples are bleeding so nobody did anything she said she didn't think anything of it but she went home and her nipples kept bleeding and bleeding your breast bleeding she went to the gp turned out the bleeding nipples were stage four breast cancer wow she is watching her post she's had me in tears so many times um she then went to the had scans done the cancer had spread to her spine and i think she had it in another organ and they basically said to her yeah you're stage four you're gonna die but she didn't give up she was like nope they said they weren't going to remove the breast because there was no point she was dying she's since now gone on to have her breast removed and also there's a picture of her as well on um the black i think i saw it um there was a a black woman pregnant with her her breast removed and she posted in like a mirror um but i'm not sure if it was her but that's amazing i would love to hear her story amazing um and and for me those are such powerful because you know as women you think your hair um your breasts those are signs of what makes us female um and it's just actually it's okay to look different because that's your story that's your Mm -hmm. journey so i always say to ladies and you know the page isn't about me yes i i post little bits i have a personal page as well where my whole journey's on there but i find this page is just about it's just about everybody so whatever anybody wants to send send it through and i'm more than happy to post it pictures quotes um people ringing the bell yeah because it's just inspiring i think for everybody um and that's what the page is about it's not about me yes i love it and thank you for doing that um thank you natasha for coming on here and talking with us i Uh, could talk forever chan seriously i could have you here till it's like you look through your windows and it's like dark outside Right. And I was just like, I I don't mind, like I can continue this conversation, but it was really good. And thank you for doing it. You're more than welcome. And it's been lovely. And I'm sure we will talk anyway. Thank you so much. And and make what you're doing as well, definitely, because, you know, technology has just progressed in so many ways, you know, Mm -hmm. podcasts and yeah, it, it, the, the, the internet. I remember dial-up internet. You know, who even oh, does yeah. that? <laughs> who even does that now? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But thank you so much and have a blessed day. You too. Thank yes. you. Yes. And we'll speak soon. Yes. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, 
information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.